The void shook. He had faced Trollocs before, faced Shadowspawn. Never before had he confronted a human being with a sword, except in practice or bluff. I just killed a man. The void shook, and Sidene tried to fill him. Hello. I'm Will, and this is my wife, Dallas. Hi! And this is Not the Beginning, a podcast where a longtime Wheel of Time fan and a Wheel of Time newbie read through each of the 14 books in this long series. Warning! This podcast may not be suitable for younger audiences and will contain spoilers. If you've not read Robert Jordan's The Great Hunt, please proceed with caution. On this episode of Not the Beginning, we will be diving in and discussing chapters 40 through 45 of The Great Hunt. Note, I have not read past chapter 45, and Will is going to do his best not to bring in anything from the rest of The Great Hunt or the next 12 books during our discussion. So as long as you've read through chapter 45, you should be good. If you haven't, I recommend pausing here and going to read them. Okay, chapter summaries from Dragon Mountain. It's going to take a little while. There's a lot of stuff that happened. After arriving on Tomon Head, Leandrin betrays Egwene and her friends to the Shanchan Hind Lady Suroth. Nynaeve and Elaine escape, but Egwene is put in a collar called an Adam and leashed to the Soldam Rena. Rena informs Egwene that she is Damane and that she can only channel when given permission. Rand feels a Tavirin pull towards Falma. Baalzaman appears to Rand in the night. Rand channels at him to no avail. Baalzaman offers to teach Rand to channel, then vanishes. Nynaeve and Elaine scope out the Damane kennels. Min visits Egwene, who despairs of ever getting free. Rena returns and finds that Egwene has been trying to channel without permission. She strips Egwene of her name and calls her Tuli. Min runs into Elaine and Nynaeve and takes them to Bale Doman. Nynaeve negotiates passage away from Falma. Perrin barely dodges Bornhold and his White Cloak army. Bornhold prepares to engage the Shanchan, ordering Bayar to watch from a distance and report the outcome to Bornhold's son. Varen sends Rand, Matt, Perrin, Ingtar, and Hurin into Falma. Nynaeve, Elaine, and Min kidnap a soldam named Seta and steal her dress. They put the Edam on, Se- on Seta. Bale Domon grows impatient to leave. Rand's group sneaks into Lord Turak's house and retrieves Matt's dagger and the horn. Rand spots Egwene across the street, but Turak returns and confronts them. Rand duels Turak, a blade master, and defeats him by entering the void. Dear Lord, this section has so much going on. Let me just start by saying one thing. Is it? Leandrin is a bitch! Yup, she's the worst. We've already used that as an episode title, so we can't use it again. But also there's other things that are maybe just as important. But really though. Leandrin's a bitch. She's a mega bitch. Ooh, boy. And like, serving some sort of master, which makes me think it's probably the Dark Lord, but I don't actually know, because the Sanchan don't seem like they'd actually be serving a Dark Lord. They're kind of doing their own thing. But, but whatever it is, her and Suroth serve the same master. Yeah. It ain't good. I don't trust it. Because it involves selling novices into slavery. And like, fucking an awful version of it, too. Oof, like, yeah. oh my god. Egwene goes through it, and they never they never stop. Like, Demonite are basically treated like dogs. Like, literally. They're, where they're held is called a kennel. Yeah, and they get, sometimes they get, like, treats for doing yeah. well. And it's just, they literally wear leashes. Yep. 
No, it's fucked up. I, I, I remember a couple sections before, I was like, you don't even know about the Sean Chan yet. Like, there were hints at them, like, taking women who could channel. But it's kind of strongly implied in other places that, like, if the Aes Sedai discovered you can channel, you, you really only sort of have a choice not to go. This is worse. Well, because, like, they will take you and teach you how to channel, and then you can do what you want when, like, you can channel when you want once you've learned how to channel. You're not literally a slave. Right, and, like, you get free reign to move about right. the White Tower, and, yeah. like, you can get permission to leave and go somewhere else. It's kind of like a slightly more problematic military school. Yeah, I mean... With a little bit of, like, the... So the the history of Damane, we get a little bit of the history of, like, why women who can channel are unleashed. And it's because Aes Sedai were basically just tearing up the world. And, another, and, and other Aes Sedai... Were the leashed. only thing to stop them. And so they leashed... Yes. Aes Sedai were leasing, leashing Aes Sedai. Right. And then realized that they also needed to be leashed... And yeah, so it was one big... Aes Sedai who made the Adam. Yeah. And she made it out of a way to like try and ingratiate herself to the first Shan Chan Emperor, one of Arthur Hawkwing's sons. And then eventually she got the collar put on her. Which does lead to a question like, what are Soldam in the world? Right, because like, do they can they channel? Because it's there's like there's some sort of magic bond that they have that once the Soldom act like, because uh, what's her face? Rena. Rena is able to like tell that it, what Egwene's thinking even when she's not holding the leash, and she's able to tell that she can yeah. cha- she channeled and like all of these weird linkages. And Rena says at one point that some of the more experienced Soldom kind of get like an affinity for it. Yeah, and. Like that can't that affinity clearly is something that doesn't just have to do with the Adam, which confers some sort of sort of reciprocal feeling. Egwene punches Rena when she's first collared and it feels like she's been hit by somebody three times her size. Right. Because the Adam kind of reflects every bit of pain that the Soldom wears back onto the Demane. It's like I'm rubber, you're glue. Right, except magic and awful. Yeah. And also, it's not supposed to work on women who can't jail. And Nighty puts up puts one on a Soldom and the Soldom is shocked. That it works. Which makes me wonder that maybe there's some sort of magic even pumping through the Soldom because they try I remember in like the last section when they were talking about the the Domine or Domain I wonder what is it Domane Domane that uh sometimes the Empress will have like she'll play with people and have them try to hold the leash and then those people end up dying specifically men she'll have men put on the the like the leash holder and the bracelet right the bracelet because the Adam is made out of a, a like a silvery like all one piece woven collar and bracelet and the empress will have men try it on and either one of two things will happen nothing or both the demane and man who was who was made to wear the the leash scream and die yeah so there has to be something about the soldom that allows them to wear this leash yeah definitely because uh, and if it was any woman there would be far more soldom although they do mention that there are always more soldom than there are demonic yeah but like i just wonder is it something about Nynaeve putting on the leash that or putting on the bracelet rather that works like if if men had put on the bracelet would it have worked right like it's 
obvious that the Soldon would work for Nynaeve because she can channel. Yeah, there are... And the Soldon was made by someone who can channel. There are answers to these questions that I cannot reveal. That is fair. they are... I will say that all of those things are explicitly answered. Okay. So you don't get ambiguous answers about why the Adam is working the way that it is. The other question I have is... How did Nynaeve get the, the Adam to unlock? She just like whipped it with the power. At... But she tried, she, did she just like, how did she figure out that she could do that? She, so it, it's like a minor she had tried it before. Bit, right. She tried it before and they almost got caught and they had to hide. But she, you know, channeled out and tried to touch one of these Adams while they were just hanging around, sneaking in Falma. So maybe she was doing more experimenting than we saw, or maybe just that one time. Because she says after that, like, I think I can, you know, if I get a chance to do it, I think I can get it all. Yeah. Like, Nani's a smart woman. She is. And she doesn't need to see things more than once. She is also quite the badass. Yes. That is getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. Her fury here is very helpful. Yes. She is determined because once uh, Egwene and Min get taken by this Shan Chen, she is like, we're going to Falma. Right. Like, and she just basically doesn't even let Elaine get a word in. No, because Elaine's like, I feel bad for running away. And, and Nynaeve just goes like straight into mom mode of like, there's nothing you could have done. You would have been captured too. And then I would be doing this on my own. Shut up. We're moving. Like, right. <laughs> Elaine and Nynaeve was, is going to be an interesting pairing. Yeah, because I think it like... It Elaine's a princess. Nynaeve is very used to being in charge. And Elaine is not is very much the opposite. Not even in like a stubborn way. Just like a no one's ever spoken to me that way kind right. of way. It'll be interesting to see. Like we don't, we've spent very little time with Elaine. We've spent even less with her mother, Morgays. But Nynaeve kind of reminds me of the small amount of Morgays that we saw. Where like Nynaeve could be a queen. She is a queen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Nynaeve could be a literal queen. She kind of has the, it's a raw, like, it's a country temperament for a queen, but she has it. Well, she was a queen. She sort of was. In, she was wisdom of, of no, and, and in, that, in that one in that one vision. Ah, yes. She was married to the king of Melkir in a vision. Not in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's so much. Leandrin is, Leandrin is mega bitch, and there's like a short conversation beforehand where she and Sarath are talking about their master and they seem entirely unconcerned by everybody around them right they did say a couple of things that for some reason Egwene and Nynaeve need to be on the other side of the Arth Ocean yeah and the High Lady is basically just like I'm taking the one that I've got and we're going and Landon's like no you have to find the other one right you have to Elaine and Min whatever Nynaeve though like you have to take these two people to the other side or else our master is going to be pissed. Right. And like, there's some really interesting dynamics at play here because they have the same master and their master wants Elaine and not, not Elaine, Egwene and Nynaeve across the ocean. And Surath also wants to leash them because they're like demonic to her. Yeah. But she's also, I think she's leaving because she's just like, well, we're the Shanchan. We're going to come and leash all of you anyway. So what does it matter if I do it now or if I have to wait a little bit? But Leandrin is like, no, but you have to do it now. Right. Like it's very interesting dynamics that we definitely don't have the full picture. We don't know who their master is. Right. I don't trust who it is at all. No, there are very few people in the wheel of time who refer to an ominous master. Yeah. Anytime anyone refers to an ominous master, it's probably a devil of some sort. Probably. Like Probably. You are not 
wrong. So, yeah, so let, let's talk about Nynaeve a little bit here. Because Nynaeve, upon seeing Elaine, sorry, I keep doing that, that happens a lot. Upon seeing Egwene get leashed, is enraged and kills a bunch of Shanshan with lightning and fire. Yep. And she's basically so angry the entire time that they're in Falma that she can just channel at will. Yeah, she's so mad. Like, and she is. And I'm kind of living for it. It's great. Like, Nynaeve gets shit done. I wish that Lan could just see Nynaeve right now. <laughs> it's too bad he's not there. Actually, Moraine probably doesn't also want to be there. It's like, she's Aes Sedai and they're they're leashing him. Right, because there are two Aes Sedai that Yeah, that is something leashed. we learn. Egwene, when she's in the kennels, runs across two Aes Sedai. And one of them is, like, very nearly broken by the Sean Chan. Yeah, she doesn't even remember her. She There's one that remembers her original name, and then the other one just doesn't even remember her original name anymore. Right. And they're just so, they're both so broken that they're like, I want to end it, but I can't even, I can't even hurt myself without permission. Yeah, there's some fucked up things. We'll get to that. Yeah. We could spend a long time talking about how fucked up Demonae are. And I don't necessarily think that we should, because it's just, we can just... It's just straight up bad. It's bad. It's real bad. Yeah. But Nynaeve and Elaine are hanging out in Falma trying to find a way to rescue Egwene. And uh, Elaine is, like, stealing apples. Yep. And Nynaeve is, like, basically running on pure anger because they don't have a lot of money and she hasn't been eating. So she's just fueled by anger and determination. Yeah. And I just, like, she's just such a badass in this section. Yeah. And, like, I kind of hate that she has to be this way, but... But wasn't this to be something else? And there's no guarantee with what we've seen so far that it would be something better. I don't... There's not a whole bunch worse. I don't think there can be anything worse than what, like... Uh, you might be right. It's Egwene is facing. It's the, fucking awful. It's just, it's sadistic. It really, really is. Like, the dark they, one is... The dark one is the dark one. Like, you expect him to be this way. The, the Shan-Chen at this point are kind of like Umbridge. Everyone hates Umbridge more than they hate Voldemort because they know an Umbridge. Yeah. Like, they would... They, like, you... I mean, I hope nobody knows Shan-Chen because they're, they're slavers. Yeah, but, like, there's just something about them that, like, it's, you hate It's human more. evil. It's human evil, and that's just even worse. The Dark One is just objective, pure black. Yeah. And the Shun-Chan have, like, maybe they have some sort of historical justification for it as they see it, but they're still putting collars on women. Right. Like, it's everyone has good. historical justifications for the wrong that they do. Right. And I, I it think still it still makes it wrong. I think it does. Uh, one comparison that I think should be brought up is the Sean Chan treatment of women who can channel compared to the sort of like Westlander version of, I guess, Eastlander, whatever the, the main the mainlander uh, version of how Reds treat men who can channel. Mm-hmm. They're both incredibly inhumane. I, I think that the Sean Chan version is worse. Well, because, because again, literal slavery. The Reds just I mean the Reds steal their channeling of I can't uh, gentle. gentle. The Reds just gentle them and leave them to die. Yeah, die a joyless death. But like Dominic aren't even allowed to die. 
like yeah it's yeah the um men who can channel have still have free will as much as they can so like Nynaeve is like facing this evil entity basically she's not backing down and she's not backing down she's facing it on her own and she does she's not really particularly feeling all that intimidated I think part of it is that she's kind of seen Elaine as sort of an Egwene substitute and feels like she needs to protect her because when they get to the when they start to enact their plan and they kidnap the Soldam. Initially, the plan was for whoever doesn't fit in the Soldam's dress has to wear the collar right. to get in. And Nynaeve's like, I can't, I can't. I can't make anybody else do this, except she does kind person... of eagerly put it on the Soldam. Well, she puts it on the Soldam at first just to ask her some questions. Right. And then she was going to take the collar off and put it on. But then she realized it works. Elaine. And yeah, she's like, it works. And you know what? We're going with it. And I just, this whole plan of Nynaeve's kind of reminds me a little bit of book one and when you know Lan sent her in to go steal two horses Bella and another horse right and then she just lets all of the white cloak horses go and Nynaeve's plan was like we need to go get Egwene but she's also going to try to free all of the other Domine right like which is gonna cause some chaos because she freed one she freed one and that Domine was like bye right (laughs) well Well, one she first she punched her soul damn right Right in the face, and I was kind of like clearly a uh, you go, which Elaine actually said <laughs> she cheered her on. Yeah, <laughs> clearly that was a a new divine because we we've seen that the Sean Chan and the the, the Soldam are very good at just like mentally breaking down Damane to a point where they don't even see themselves as human anymore. They're just Damane. Yeah, because and even Egwene is kind of getting already getting to that point. It's only been a few weeks, right? Because as she's talking to Min, she is talking about the Aes Sedai that she found, and she started to use the Damane name, and she's like, no, like yeah, I can't. She's like, you gotta get me out of here. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. So now I think is a good time to talk about some of the things that the Adam does to Damane. Not so it, it one kind of forces some sort of link between the Soldam and the Damane. It allows the Soldam to basically control the Damane's channeling entirely. And know when they are actually trying or not. Right. Um, because when they're talking, Min's like, well, why don't you just say that you couldn't find anything? Because Egwene finds out that she has this earth affinity. Yeah. Egwene is strong in the power of earth. And Min's like, why don't you just say you can't find anything? Because they know. I don't know how to tell you other than, like, they know. Right. There's also something that the Domine are not allowed to touch weapons or things that are meant to be used as weapons. It's not things that are meant to be used as weapons. It's things that they consider to be weapons or want to try and use as a weapon. So Egwene mentions at one point that she thought about hitting Rena with a pitcher and that for like a week after. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. Okay. For like a week after, she couldn't even touch the pitcher because her subconscious was still like, I could have used that to hurt anyone, really. Yeah. And so she had to like convince herself that one, she no longer wanted to hit Rena over the head with it and that she would never, ever want to in her life want to hit her over the head with this pitcher. And it's just like the amount of mental gymnastics that you have to do. 
Right. It's it's just she, so messed Because the way the link works, like, she, I bet she had to actually convince herself of that. Not just, like, say that, you know, like, when you say you've convinced yourself of something, but you really haven't. Right. She has to ingrain it into her subconscious that she never wants to use a pitcher to hurt anyone. Ever, yeah. Which is just sinister. Yeah. Because it, it stops them from doing, stops them from doing harm to the demonic, but it also stops, or to the solemn, it, it also stops them from hurting themselves. Right. Because, you know, men has this dad which is interesting that they're letting men walk around freely and have a dagger. Well, the Sean Chan are kind of weirdly trusting with people. And I think that they know that Min's not going to go run off without Egwene. Yeah, there there is that. Because they're letting her visit. So one of, like, Egwene's sort of sort of conditions for cooperating, even though we know... She's not cooperating. It, it, she's not cooperating, and two, it was useless, was that Min is left alone, or Min is left unharmed, and she gets to visit Egwene. Yeah. And so Min's just hanging around with the Sean Chan, wearing well, dresses now. Well, and I think that was also part of Min's conditions of, like, we will let you visit Egwene, and we will let you live. And she's like, I will, like, she kind of is like, I will stop fighting back and stop hitting people in the face and stabbing them. Yeah. If you let me visit Egwene. Yeah. I wonder if she swore the oaths. So remember, uh, a while back, bailed them on swore oaths to the Sean Chan. Because she's, she's walking around with a weapon, and they have no problem with, like, random uh, fallmen just, like, carrying swords. Yeah, I don't know if she, she... I feel like she would have had to. I think so. But I also trust men to be able to, like, swear the oaths without swearing the oaths. Right. Like, and she, she seems very much... And she seems very much the person who's, like, crossing their fingers behind their back when they say things. Yeah. Like, literally. I don't... Like, they're, it's just part of, like, her personality that, like, she's just very much that person. Right. Yeah, there's a lot. There are two other things with the, um, Egwene cannot touch the source or try to channel really even more than a trickle without feeling, like, really ill. Yeah. And she also can't move the bracelet. Yeah. Which is why she hasn't just, like, walked out or why any of the demonic just don't just walk out because they're they not... and they because they forced her to touch it right so and that she knew what the consequences were it's just a fucking sinister thing the that um are just awful awful things. yeah and like especially even hearing Nynaeve like she she feels sick wearing the bracelet right but she can also feel the just sheer amount of power she has over the other woman yeah and she, and that's what makes her feel sick right because she has a conscious views the Saldam as a human being instead of as, like, some sort of weird pet. Yeah. We talked a bit about Min. Uh, she's wearing dresses now. Yep. They took her breeches and coat from her and burned them. Yep, because so it's not ladylike. It's not ladylike, and now she's wearing dresses. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'm a little surprised that the, the Shan Chen are, like, gender norms. Well, yeah, because they have a ginen. Yeah. Who's like a ship's captain. And was wearing pants. Right. Maybe maybe it's like a... You, you have to earn pants. Well, maybe it's not even necessarily that you have to earn pants. It's if you're going to play the role of a of a of a lady in society, you have to play that role. Well, and she's not even playing a role of a lady in society. They have her as kind of like a kitchen scullery maid type. Right. Because that's the kinds of dresses she's wearing. Right. But Aginan is a soldier. And like it doesn't seem like the Shan Chan have any sort of compunction against women soldiers, but they're playing the role of soldier, not woman. Yeah, so it's kind of like a these people wear pants, these people wear skirts. Right. Which is a little less gender normy? A little, but like high lords in society wouldn't have to wear dresses. Probably not. Although with the Shanchan, because like Turak's wearing like robes and stuff. Mm, maybe fancy people just wear dresses. Yeah, well they do the like shaved heads 
thing, and the Turak's servants are wearing, like, flimsy, almost entirely see-through robes, the men and the women, and they're bald and kill themselves. <laughs> Matt, when he first saw he's like, her dress is see-through! Yeah, it's interesting. The, the Shanshan Shan are very fucked up, but also very interesting. But so, um, Min is wearing dresses now, yep. able to carry a dagger, and able just, to walk around. Yeah, she can go basically wherever she wants. Which is how she finds a ship captain that will take them elsewhere if they can free Egwene. That ship captain do be Bail Domon. And I, when I saw it, I was like, oh, now I understand. Yeah. I still haven't fit the Bornhold thing in yet, besides him running into Perrin. Well, he's there. But And he's gonna go fight the Sean Chan. Yeah, but At least the I was White like, Cokes are doing something right. I was like, oh, that's how that's how Bail Domon connects into here. I was like, why are you here? Yeah. Uh, because they need you for a ship. Got yeah. it. Other than the he has a seal. Well, but he doesn't anymore. Yeah. But I feel like he wasn't an important character in book one. No. And, you know, if I was writing a book and I'm like, you know what? There needs to be a ship captain in book two that has this seal and can help and can, like, act as a shuttle service. Well, might as well make it it the same person. Yeah, why not? (laughs) Limit my number of characters. That's not something Robert Jordan struggles with, limiting the number of his characters. I mean, but, like, naming a character doesn't, like... I I would name random characters all the time, and then they don't, like they don't yeah. come up. Like I've written short things where I'm like, ah, oh, I need a waitress, and for some reason I decide today the waitress gets a name. They could have just been the waitress, but today they're like Julie. Okay, and that's still that would technically be a named character at that point. That's true. Julie doesn't matter. We never Julie see Julie matter. again. Bail Domon matters though. Bail Domon matters. He He's does kind of talk funny. That he do. <laughs> I noticed it when he talked like that was like I don't remember what he was saying. He do be a man that talks weird. Yeah, he, he talks weird and uh, was very concerned when Nynaeve shows him. Yeah, so they they go to meet Bail Domon. Min like runs into Nynaeve and Elaine and is like, I have a boat captain who I can, you know, we can use him to get out of here. Mm-hmm. And they meet him in an inn, and Nynaeve takes her Aes Sedai ring out and is like, look at this, huh? Look, I'm an Aes Sedai. You should trust me. Like, and I can like, protect you against the Domain. Put it away. Put it away. Put it away. You're gonna get us all killed. That does also kind of help confirm, because we had some Min readings. We did. Uh, Egwene is, like, firmly connected to not only Rand, but Perrin and Matt, and even Galad. Like, she sees this connection. Yeah, that one's weird. Because... I think they, when they were talking about being worried about something, and so Min talks about that, she sees a man's heavy gold ring around Nynaeve. Hmm. <laughs> I already knew what it was. And then Elaine, she sees red hot iron and an axe. I actually don't know what that one is. I think I know what all of Egwene's are. The Galad one's a little weird. I don't really know what Elaine's is. And of course Egwene is connected to Ranmat and Perrin because she should be Tavirin. Yeah, she should be Tavirin. She should be Tavirin. That's a change the show makes. I am all for it. Anyway, in the scene with Bail Domon, when Nynaeve brings out her necklace, the necklace also has Lan's ring on it. And Men's like, hey, it's the ring from my vision. So we get confirmation. Hmm. And I think that, because 
because there's like several mentions of her ring throughout this section, which yeah. I think is alluding to her using it soon. Land's ring or Land's ring. Okay. Well, because when it also in Min's point of view, uh, when they're talking about trying to free Egwene, and Elaine's like, "I wish Rand was here." I, I, I mean, because he has a sword. You know, <laughs> actually, I think we could really do with an army, a bunch of people with swords, just to kind of like cover her tracks. Huh. And then she, and then Min's like, and then I notice Nynaeve like touching something beneath her tunic. Yeah. And she's clearly like subconsciously or I like. I wish Lan were here. I wish Lan were here and like touching the ring. I don't know if that already counted or does it have to like, she, does she have to present the ring? I don't know how the ring works. I don't remember how the ring works. She has to show the ring. But to who? Any borderlander. But there was also a bit that like, if she uses it a certain way, Lan will just drop whatever he's doing and come to her. How does he know? Well, it's not... She can use it to send him a message. She can present it to a warder and be like, Oh, bring this to land. Dragoran gave me this ring. I need him. Can you tell him where I am? Okay. And also, she could go to a borderlander and be like... I either need your help or lands. The, the, you know, broken... The broken king of the seven towers gave me this ring. Do your duty as a borderlander and help me. Yeah. Of course, there is a small borderlander army there already (laughs) so and i kind of think that lan and moraine are somewhere near it would be weird for them not to be but also because we get a short section in bornhold's pov and there's a winged creature above them which makes me think it's the weird vampire bat and those were kind of following okay yeah moraine and lan around and so i think just the imagery is like they're near okay yeah or that vampire thing is about to attack baron who knows you i do know I actually, it, it could be one of two things. You could be right or it could be something else and I don't fully remember which. Well, because you haven't read this exact section. Yeah. I, I read these books semi-frequently, but it's been a while since I've been to The Great Hunt. Mm. Well, because when you lasted your reread, it took a while. Yeah, because so. audiobooks. Yeah. I, can't, I can read fast. I can't listen fast. No. I don't, I know some people that listen to audiobooks at like three times speed and I'm like, how? I don't listen to three. I don't know anybody who listens at three times speed. I know people who listen to like 1.5 and that's just like, I can't lie. I can listen to some at 1.5. Like the Game of Thrones ones, I have to listen at 1.5 because he talks too slow. That's fair, I guess. But even then, I just don't like the like upshift in pitch from speeding things up. Also, who wants to mess with Michael Kramer and Kate Redding's voices? They're perfect. Side note, Rosalind Pike is narrating Eye of the World. I am kind of excited for that. I'll be very interested to see how that turns out. Uh, no, no one will replace the original narrators. She's got a good voice. She does. She is Moraine. Yeah. It's going to be good. And we've seen some interviews with Lan and Dig in the Lan. I think they, they nailed at least everybody of the main seven. Yeah. That reminds me, um, at some point, while in um, Fama, Nynaeve has to undo her braid and brush it out. Yes. It's very sad. It is very sad. She needs to blend in, and none of the the Fallman women. It's a weird phrase because they're they're Fallman. Yeah. But they're Fallman women. Anyway, none of them really have braided hair. Right. So she so. unbraids her hair. Yeah. It's unfortunate. I'm sure the moment she can do, she can braid it back. She will. Yeah, definitely. She's she's too much a two rivers woman. Egwene, get away with not doing it. And she, it's not like 
I think when, at the beginning of this book, she was described as having like two, like the pieces, some pieces of like a half and a braided updo, yeah. like just like braided to the side to get the bang pieces out of her face. Yeah. So there were braids involved. But not a braid. Yeah. I think, I think that's all the Egwene, Nynaeve, Elaine, and Min stuff. Yeah, I think so. There's a chance we missed something because there is honestly a lot there, but I think and I didn't, I didn't things. combine my notes for those yeah i just kind of went in chronological order right so after that we we jump around a little bit it's mostly rand we get some parent there's a short bornhold segment let's do the bornhold segment first well no we can do parent and bornhold because they're they go together okay so parent smells pat and fane and they're sneaking around and they run into they almost run into some white cloaks but they don't and then he seeks out the wolves to make sure the white cloaks aren't following them and they aren't yeah and that's when they are trying to decide they're trying to catch the whiff of fame yeah up until then they've come across a lot of villages that were empty because of shan chen attacks ingtar and baron are fighting about how to fight in the horn rand is like i want to go immediately to falma you guys if you guys are going to make camp i'm going to keep going he's convinced to stay another night yeah and then they eventually end up catching a scent of pat and fame so they're following it into falma into falma hmm Hmm. he's where he said he was gonna be i can just imagine rand just being like fucking told you so yeah like why don't you why doesn't anyone listen to me yeah i mean partially because you're like 19 years old but yeah so they see the white cloaks white cloaks aren't following matt is very suspicious about how perrin knows this well i feel like matt is very suspicious yes (laughs) but like also perrin just tell your friends that you can talk to wolves like rand told his secret that's true. And Rand's secret is arguably worse. And Perrin has already mentioned that he's like, I kind of want to tell at least Rand so that he realizes that when I say I kind of know how he's feeling. He actually knows it. Because, like, kind of misery loves company a little bit. Yeah. Like, it's not the same, but he still found out this horror, like, this, like, life-altering thing about himself. Yeah. And hasn't had the time to process it. Because apparently, like, only two weeks have gone by when we were, t- when we were talking the other day you said the, like the events of the 14 books only take place over like two years yeah it does it really doesn't feel like it and they could extend it and i think that would be fun anyway we jump quickly into bornhold who recognizes perrin but it's like whatever there's an army i need to deal with the army before i do one random dark friend who killed two people like right. whatever don't care anymore and then he orders Bayar to not get involved in the bottle battle and find his son instead. And then he mentions Captain Amon Valda yep. and Pedrin Nile. Yep. I don't I don't I didn't understand anything Bornhold was saying. I kind of gloss over Bornhold sections because I don't <laughs> care about him. So my brain, even if I read all of the words, it's like he doesn't matter because you don't care. Yeah. So Amon Valda is another so Bornhold is a captain. Mm-hmm. A lord captain of the of the White Cloaks. Amon Valda is just another captain pedra nile is lord captain commander of the white cloaks he's like the boss so he's supposed to go find he's basically telling bayar to be the person who hangs back in case the shanchin just smash the white cloak legion okay and he wants he specifically tells him to go find his son dane bornhold so that um he knows what happened to his dad yeah yeah okay simple that's that's bornhold and then we pick up with them having um yeah well, now we're back with rand yeah. and they're trying to figure out how to go about going into falma rand is practicing his sword 
And Ingtar doesn't like one of the moves he's using. Heron waiting through the rushes. He's like, you're leaving yourself too open. Yeah, Ingtar's just like giving him critique on the forms that he's using. And I'm like, Ingtar, is your name Land Mandragoran? <laughs> no? Shut up then. Like, yes, because Ingtar is clearly skilled. He goes in alone, unarmored, later when they're sneaking in. And he just like easily dispatches a Sean Chan guard. He's like, oh, he was overconfident. I took him out easily. He's not fucking Land Mandragoran. Okay, I need to skip ahead because I, if my ADD, I will forget the point that I have if we don't talk about it now. Rand kills Turok. Yeah. Who is a blade master. Yeah. He's only, if your timeline of the fact that the books only take place over two years, Rand has had this sword for like a month. Yeah. It's been like, what, a month and a half since Winter Night? Well, May- maybe for Rand. For Rand. It's been longer than that because they spend a, f- a couple months traveling to Valdara. Okay, but how long... He hasn't had the sword that long, is my point. No. And how long was Lan training him? A while, but not that long. But, like, maybe a month? A couple months. couple months? Were they yeah. They were really there that long? They were, there for like, they were in Faldara for, like, two months. Because they had to wait for the Amberlin Sea to get there from Tarvalin. Either way, Lan took this farmer boy yep. who didn't even know how to hold the sword when he picked it up the first time. Yep. He took that boy and turned him into a blade master in three months. Yep. Land fucking Mandragoran. Land fucking Mandragoran. Now, Rand does have two advantages. Sort of one advantage, if you think about it. Tam taught him the flame on the void. So young. So, like, Rand grew up knowing that, and he's a very good archer. Like, he's very good at other martial things. Yeah. And he's good with a quarterstaff. Like, there's, he's good at other things, and so picking up the sword is, like, it's just a new skill. It's not a new type of skill for him. I do get your point. And he also, there's something about being able to, like, being right on the brink of embracing the source that improves you as a person. It doesn't give you, like, any supernatural strengths or abilities. It just makes you your best self. I'm just saying, Rand knows all these names for all of these moves and, like, all of these different things. And he was able to teach, Land was able to teach Rand these things in a in a manner of months. Like, it would just take me long enough, it would take me that long to memorize the names of the moves, much less remember which ones attribute to which motions. Yeah. Like, Land is a good teacher. Land is a really good teacher. And Rand is very, very, there are several sections in this book where Rand is practicing his swordsmanship without Land. But, like, Land is just, I just want to appreciate how good of a teacher Land is. Oh, absolutely. This is a Land appreciation podcast. This is a Land appreciation podcast. Rand fucking kills a blade master. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about the situations around that. But I just had to, I had to appreciate Lan. Yeah. So back in the forest where they're hiding out, they're formulating a plan to get into Falma and then find Fane and get the, uh, Rand's like, get the dagger, then Ingtar's like, get the horn. Yeah. So they go into Falma and only five of them go. Right. Because they want to keep it small. And also there's some weird prophecy thing about five riding forth. Yeah, she like there's a lot of wheel imagery too. There's like spokes in the wheel and then she yeah. like breaks the wheel and it's like, oh, that's probably foreshadowing. But so it's Ingtar, Hiran, Matt, Perrin, and Rand. Yep. Loyal wants to go, but she's like, there are... Draw a lot of yeah, attention. she's like, you wouldn't make any sense. You're staying here. Varen's like, I'm not going. Yeah. I don't want to be a Domine, thanks. And then she very subtly warns Rand against channeling because she, as she's talking about why she's not going, she's like, they can sense any woman or man for that manner, for or for that matter, who right. can channel. Why would I go? And so it's she, kind of like she a phrases 
sends it a, a little differently. She's like, they can definitely sense any any woman who channels. They might be able to sense a man. Well, and what how she phrases it is just like, I'm no I'm no use to you unless I channel. And the second I channel, they're, they're gonna, gonna be go. able to like they can definitely yeah. She just like maybe men for that matter. I don't really know. But she says it in a way that it's like... It implies that she does know when the answer is yes. Yeah. And she's, she's nice to die. And she's being wishy-washy about it so that they don't... So that everyone else doesn't get suspicious about why she's bringing up a man who can channel. Right. Because she's trying to protect Rand a little bit. But also subtly warn him like, don't maybe, channel. Yeah, maybe don't channel. Even though he does. No. Well, he gets really close to using the source. But he doesn't. It's not like one of those things where like you can kind of almost do it and it counts. No, you're either channeling or you're not. Okay. Yeah, so they go, they go into Falma. They sneak into Falma. Well, they, they do everywhere. just kind of like walk right yeah, in. They just walk in. They don't have to sneak in. They're just there, there. There's a Grolm walking around the city. Sean trying to have Grolm. They all like disguised themselves except for Rand because they couldn't find anything that fits him. So he's just wearing this, this cloak yeah, over his very tall. fancy coat. But they found something to fit Perrin giant arms. Ibarra. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Sus. I mean... I think Rand just wants to wear the pretty coat. <laughs> or, or... Or the pattern, the pattern decided wants him. <laughs> that Rand must wear well-embroidered clothes. Yeah. I think because Robert Jordan describes clothes, like George R. R. Martin describes food. Yeah. And he wants to be able to describe the embroidery on all of Rand's cloaks. So he's like, how can I always manage to get him to be wearing fun things? Ah, Taviran. He's a main <laughs> character. <laughs> he's always recognizable. Anyway, so they, they get in there. They, there's Falm has been crisscrossing the city because at this point we know that not Falm has been crisscrossing the city. Falm is the city. Fame. Fane has been crisscrossing Falma. Ah. Because at this point we know that he's been here for like months. Yeah, at least five months. Like he's, he's just here. He's hanging out. He Well, he's the only reason he hasn't left is because Turok has the dagger and the horn still. Right. And Matt feels the dagger and he's like, but we need to go after them. Like, no, the, the horn. And Inktar is just a... I have been slightly suspicious of Ingtar the entire book. Okay. He just has this drive for the horn. Really kind of like Selene's. Yeah, it just, it's, and especially in this moment, it feels very much like Selene's. Yeah. And like his talk with Rand after they get the horn, when he's like, I'm going to be coming back from Egwene, for Egwene. And he's, and Ingtar is just like, what does one girl matter when you have the horn? Yeah. I mean, kind of. And it's, but like. Kind of fair to Ingtar, but it's like, it's dude, Rand. then Ingtar, you take the horn and let Rand do what he wants. Like, right. why are you? Rand's not the one who is going to use the horn anyway. It's going to be Matt, right? Because like he can weirdly talk the old tongue randomly in battle, and the horn is used in a battle, and he the horn is going to summon a bunch of people from the old tongue, so he's got to be able to talk to him. Yep. It's going to be Matt. Yeah. Calling it now. Okay. Especially also because Matt is the one who grabs the horn and keeps the horn the entire ba- the entire time they're fighting in the room. That's true. Matt grabs both the horn and the dagger, and I think that is on purpose. Okay, sure. Because, like, I think... I wouldn't be surprised if, like, if he is the one who's supposed to use the horn, him feeling some sort of, like, Tavirin connection to it. Okay. 
Like, because everything about Matt's character up until now, I would have just expected him to pick up the dagger and be like, someone grab that horn. I'm good. I like, I've got my dagger now. Well, the, the dagger was on top of the horn. But still, like, there's just something about the, like, selfishness regarding the dagger that okay. I wouldn't have been surprised if he picked up the dagger and then completely forgot about the horn. Yeah. But maybe something outweighed that connection to the dagger. Maybe. Maybe. So, I mean, yeah. So Matt does, he feels the dagger and they sneak into what has become High Lord Turek's palace. Uh, they sneak in pretty easily. Ingtar dispatches a dude real quick. Yep. Calling him overconfident. And then Rand's just like, are you kidding me? He was overconfident? You just yeeted yourself in there. That's why I'm also like just a little bit, he's just like, he's now being he's being a little reckless. He's being reckless now. And it just, there's something. There's Maybe just, he can channel. There's something off about Ingtar. And I don't want there to be something off about Ingtar, <laughs> which is why I've been like struggling with why I'm feeling suspicious. But like, I think there's something Ingtar. There was confusion back in Faldara about Ingtar saying that Rand couldn't leave. Yeah. I don't, like, I don't want there to be something up with Ingtar. Yeah, Ingtar's a cool dude. But... Yeah, he's a little horn obsessed. He's a he little... He's horny. <laughs> Thanks, I hate it. <laughs> but I also it. love it. Yeah. yeah, it just, like, there's just something slightly off, and I wouldn't be surprised if... Yeah. So, they get in there, they grab the horn and the dagger, and then Turak basically, like, clappers the lights on, and it's like, oh, you're not who I thought you were, because he thought Fane was going to come and take the dagger. Yeah, so he's like, I've been keeping watch, and I thought Fane would take it, but, like, who are you? Right. And one of, one of his, like, henchmen tries to, tries to take the horn back, and Matt just stabs him, and... The dagger is also an unpleasant thing in the world. Oh, yeah, because he, like, he quickly goes into de- body decomp, basically. Yeah. Like, he, like, it, the it, guy... like, rots him from the inside out in a matter of seconds. And he, like, there's the puffing that they described. It's it's like when, you know, like, if they found a body in a hot room after four months... The gases. The gases expand. Like, it just, like... Yeah. It, ex- it not only, like, it accelerated decomp to a point that it also killed him at the same time. Yeah. It was gross. Yeah. That's what Patton Fane's been carrying around and using. Willingly and happily. Yeah. Anyway. Fane's a bad dude. Fane's bad. Matt has a dagger, which is good, but also bad because it's the dagger. Well, and I'm wondering if, like, him having the dagger now will help reverse some of his like physical illness yeah because it's it's kind of left up to like up to interpretation how much of matt's deterioration is because of his connection with the dagger or because he's lacking the dagger yeah because and there's something that rand brings up when they're like going into falma is that like he rand's like talking normally and he's like just being normal matt and it just it hurts Rand that much more because he looks at Matt and then hears him. He's like, but you sound healthy. Right. But you just don't look healthy. Right. He's he's like, looks like he's almost dead. But he's managed. Clearly he's like able to hold his own a little bit and he's not that deteriorated because he doesn't die in this fight. Well, the fight only includes Rand. No, there, because Perrin, Perrin's axe is bloodied. The dagger is, he said, they describe the dagger as being coated with blood so dark that it matches the ruby. Everyone has cuts all over them. There's a bunch of people fighting them. Right, but by the time Turak is fighting Rand, the rest of them are gone. Because they, nobody else sees it. I think they're all out in the hall trying to fight off the yeah, other people. Maybe. But, because it just, they just, they describe there being a lot of fighting right. going on. They, at, at the very least, they definitely do not see Rand and Turak's fight because you know that Ingtar would, like, very instantly acknowledge Rand as a Blade Master. Like, he might be a suspicious Borderlander. 
He's still a borderlander. And I don't, like, I wonder if some of his suspicion is just, like, outside controlled. Like, maybe he's somehow, like, under the influence. I don't know if there's, like, a... Maybe. I don't know if there's a Dark One version of the Imperius Curse, but, like... And there's a one-power version of it. We saw Leandrin use it. Oh, yeah. So maybe there's some sort of... There's only one person who that could be, though. And I don't think it's Baron. No, I don't think so. She doesn't seem to type. It also could be... We don't know what Ingtar saw. True. They have gone through an ordeal with the Portal Stone. And so maybe he saw himself giving the dagger or giving or giving the horn up. Right. And... Or he saw himself blowing it or any... I mean, any number of things, really. And he's just trying to prove that he's not going to be one of those. Right. That's actually something else that I think bears a little bit of talking about in terms of Rand's skill with a sword. At this point, he's lived a lot of lives. How many of those did he use a sword in, and how much of that skill did he hold on to the other end? True. Still. Lan. Lan. Lan Yeah. So, a fight breaks out when they have the horn and the dagger, and Rand fights and kills Turek, a blade master. And one thing I think that was really interesting to me is that the whole fight's about a paragraph. No, it's like several. It's not that long. There's like a couple paragraphs about him testing it, about like the like beginning of the combat, but then the actual full-on, they're both fully engaged in the fight is one paragraph. Oh yeah, once Rand decides that he's going to go on the attack, the battle's done. Right. Like it's, it's, it's over. Turok's dead. Even if it's a couple paragraphs or one paragraph, it is way shorter than you would expect it to be for like what might be the climactic battle of this book. Rand fights, I mean, I don't think that it is. No. But Rand fights and kills a blade master and kind Although of Although we are 90% herons. of the way through, so right. this what is where... What can happen st- in the next what, 10%? What's going to happen in the next 10%? This is where things start to resolve. This is where things start to resolve, but it's book two. Like, we've already had, like, we've already had the all is lost moment of this book. Yeah. I don't, I haven't diagrammed this book, so, and it wasn't quite obvious what it was. There are, I think, two. There is when Fane gets away, and it's when Egwene gets collared. I think, yeah, I think that is the all is lost moment for her arc because right. save the cat you do one for each of the characters so I think that is her like yeah. everything sucks and it's the B plot so like it can be way later and resolved with the A plot yeah and you know she's kind of in her wallowing period right now she's got to make a plan yeah or wait or wait for, for... Uh, Nynaeve to do it <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah no Rand kills a blade master and they're they're getting out and Turek's like we gotta go and Rand's like no I'm gonna save Egwene but Turek or not Turek Ingtar convinces Rand to go and he's like but I'm coming back I'm gonna come back yeah like I will come and get her right I don't think he's gonna have to no I think Nani's gonna do it yeah she gets shit done Rand also kind of gets shit done in this book he does he's coming into his own and I do enjoy watching him do that yeah I was annoyed with the amount of Rand passages in the last book I think that this book has been a little bit better on balancing at least when there are other POVs they don't talk about Rand really no because like that was the thing is that anytime we got another POV in I of the world Rand was still in it and so I'm just yeah. like go away yeah like I'm the, done the Egwene and Nynaeve stuff is all them there's like one mention of Rand because Elaine has a crush but that's it yeah. Perrin's Perrin talks about Rand a lot but that's also like it makes sense for Perrin to be talking around about Rand a lot because he's chasing after Rand well and at least like Rand's not in it right <laughs> 
like it's not just a different point of view of something that we could just see from Rand's perspective. Yeah, it's we get the parent sections literally only to further the story of Rand is not actually there. Right. Because we we've gotten like two so far, and they've been like maybe four paragraphs each. Yeah. We also I enjoyed getting Min's perspective. Yeah, she's an interesting section. person. And I like that we got to see at least a little bit of how she aura reads. Yeah. Because, like, she describes as seeing the signet or whatever, the heavy men's ring and the axe and a hot iron mm-hmm. thing, up, like, just floating above their heads. Right. But she could see danger just kind of around them. Yeah. I don't know if it was just, like, Does they that... have danger stamped across their forehead or there's, like, a color associated with danger. Like, Yeah. Does that make the creepy men aura readings less creepy? No, they're still creepy. Because okay. she's also creeped out by them. She At least come... she's creeped out by them. It's less that it, now it's not that like Min's kind of creepy. It's just that the aura readings are kind of creepy. Yeah, because I mean, Min, like... Min is a very practical person in a very different way than Elaine. Not Elaine, naive. Yeah, she's gonna be more subtle about it. She's less like outwardly stubborn and headstrong, although she is clearly stubborn and headstrong. Yes, but she's less likely to hit you in the face with it. Yeah, because let's be honest, anybody's less likely to hit you in the face with it than naive. But that's why we love her. Yeah. That's why Lan loves her, too. It is. <laughs> When's he going to show back up? I need Sword Dad. I know when he's going to show back up. <laughs> is it in this book? Maybe. <sighs> I won't say. Read and find out. Uh, so that was... I'm really excited for Lan to find out that Rand killed Turok. Prepare to be very annoyed for a very long time. No! <laughs> Rand would just sit on the fact that he's a blade master now. Like an honest to god blade master. Regardless of like his skill, because like Ingtar thinks before that he's skilled, but he's not an official blade master. Anyway. Damn it, it, Rand. I I think that's everything. Yeah, I think that's just about everything. Um, Let's do some recurring segments. Auras, we got more. We did. Do you, we talked you, a bit about them? We did. Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any idea what the red hot iron and axe for Elaine might be? No, no, I'm not really thinking about it. That's fair. These aura readings for me aren't something that I'm hunting for. It's kind of like a I just keep them in my head, and when I see something that might be it, okay, I can. But they're on the list now. But they're on the list now. Yeah, cool. Um, and Nynaeve's that I'm. I do have a thought about that, especially because I know what the ring is. Uh huh. I th- she's going to end up using it soon. Okay. Ish. Like, she's not going to sit on it for four more books. Like, Okay. Because There are especially... other things that rings can be. Are you hinting at what uh, I think you're hinting I'm at? I'm just saying <laughs> that there are other things that rings can be. Yes, but it's... It, Min says that it's Lan's ring. Yeah. And so you it's not just that she... for help. I don't... It's not that... It's not just that, like, oh, she has a ring. I think that there is... The ring is going to have a purpose. Okay. Soon. Sure. Whether it's because they get married and live happily ever after, (laughs) (laughs) or because she needs to send for help. Who knows? I obviously hope it's the first one. It could be both. Por que no los dos? Auras don't have to be just one thing. She could send for Lan with the ring and be like, we're getting married now. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. That's not going to happen. That's too happy. That is too happy. This is PTSD, the series. And Egwene's going to have a hell of a time. Oh, boy. Yeah. Egwene's going to have some pretty bad bad stuff. Ship updates. Any? No. No? Okay. It's not really a shippy section. Uh, Elaine does have a crush. Yeah. 
It's not just a, like, she saw Rand and was like, you're cute while I'm looking at you. She's, like, actively thinking about Rand. Yeah, because it's not the only time she's brought him up in this book, either. Nah, she's pining just a little bit. A little bit. As much as is appropriate for a princess. <laughs> Last one, favorite moments. What is your favorite moment? Rand killed a blade master. Yeah, he did. And kind of easily. Yeah. He got like nicked on the face a little bit. But that was only because he wasn't, he was refusing to fight back. Right. Because he didn't kill, he hadn't killed the man before. Yeah. Killed Trollocs. He doesn't have any problem killing Trollocs. No. People though, he doesn't like. No, he doesn't like it. Even Sean Perrin also would. See, this is why Perrin needs to tell Rand. Yeah. Now they can bond over like, we've got weird things. Also, we've killed people now. Right. Perrin's a little worse, but still. What's your favorite moment? Mine is be- Nynaeve being a complete badass. Yes. Uh, specifically the moment when she does call her the... The Soldom. The Soldom. And she gives her this, like, like epic speech of, like, I do not like doing this. But if there is any person who deserves this, it is you because you're a piece of shit. Like, right. it, it was just like, you go. Like, yeah. I was just like, yeah, it's great. Yeah. If I could have, I would have had that be the paragraph that we read, but it didn't really. No. Our quotes tend to go with, like, a big moment in the story. Yeah. That was not that moment, but it was badass. It was badass. Well, Nynaeve is relatively badass. All right, that's talking about the stuff. We've done our recurring segments. I think it's time to end. This was chapters 40 through 45, 90% of the way through. Next week, two weeks Next from now. Time. Next time. Chapters, chapters 46 through 50, the end of the great hunt. Yep, so we will be discussing those and probably just the whole, just book. The whole book in general. Yeah. All right, bye. Bye.